Hey everybody, this is Sophie and welcome to episode 193 of the Big Boo Cast. On this episode, Melanie and I, well, first we're going to talk about Hamilton a little bit more. And then we're going to talk about books. Specifically, we are going to talk about the books that have shaped us over the years. The books that mark the different phases of our lives. And listen, I could have continued to talk about this topic for a really long time, but we kept it as succinct as we could so if you are looking for something to read this summer we have a few ideas we have a few books that we're going to mention you can look in our amazon store and find some of those books at amazon.com shop slash big boo i have added some to our storefront and then we'll have just a big list in the show notes to put all those links in there i just don't know y'all if it's going to happen but you can copy and paste and search in the google And hopefully that will work. Anyway, thanks as always so much for being here. Thanks for listening to our silliness and our randomness. And we hope you enjoy episode 193. Hey, everybody. This is Sophie. This is Big Mama. Hey, it's Melanie. It's Big Mama. We have already had a 30-minute conversation <laughs> before we got a, over on the podcast, and we have solved all manner of things. Yes. What has happened is from the dawn of time, <laughs> man has battled illnesses and challenges. And, and challenges. Uh-huh. And so what is happening now is we are currently in a pandemic, in yes. case you have not heard. Yes. And we have some thoughts. Yeah. But nobody nobody's calling us about our thoughts. The no. CDC isn't calling us. Nobody's mm-hmm. asking us. But we mm-hmm. have some thoughts mm-hmm. about it all. Yeah. I have some thoughts. And, um, you know, listen, it's it's. It's all going to be fine. We're all going to get through it. Is it? Is it? It's going to be fine. It's going to be fine. I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I know. Mm-hmm. I know. I keep thinking that this time next year, maybe it'll look a lot different. I don't I don't know. But I don't know what that means. You know what I mean? Like, it'll look a lot different, like, in what? That we're all going to be gone? That we've all been abducted by aliens? That I, I don't know. Seriously, I don't know. Uh, because you know, I mean, even though we're sitting here right now, you know that even by the time this episode comes out, something else crazy is going to have happened. Oh, one hundred percent. I mean, no question. That's just the way it goes. Like, I feel like every day you're like, "Well, I didn't think it could get worse, and it just did." And, like, it's but it just did, and it just got weirder too. Like yeah. every day, it's a it's a whole new measure of of weird. And I. I on one hand, I'm really grateful to be here to witness it. You know what I mean? Like, I don't okay. know. I didn't know how boring things had been until, well, they hadn't been super boring the last four years. But but still, like, the what 2020 has brought to the table is going to be tough to top by any other well, year at any other point in time. Are you saying how lucky we are to be alive right now? <laughs> I am. <laughs> I'm saying look around, look around. At how lucky we are to be alive right now. Which reminds me, now this is a huge spoiler if you have not watched Hamilton. Um, So you may just want to mute it for a second. But last night, I, I couldn't sleep. I've already told Melanie that. And it's because I have been back at work at school the last few days. And getting getting back into that mode has just made, apparently... There were entire circuits of my brain I had shut down <laughs> and now they are all fired back up. And um, I have a lot of thoughts and um, and lots of lists in my head and all that kind of stuff. But I was I, I was reading a couple of different articles about what does at the end of ha- Hamilton when mm. Eliza, when she looks out and she gasps. Yes. What does it mean? I did same. I've been reading same. OK, so do you have a conclusion? 
I, okay, here's what I'm going to tell you. So this is a spoiler. So just know that. But like, I felt like when we saw it in person in Chicago, I absolutely got, in my mind, she gasped because she looked out and saw the audience and realized that his story had been told. Like she realized the magnitude of like what she had done. And in and, and the Chicago version, that was really plain to me. I had forgotten that. And so when I watched it on Disney Plus and saw um, the original cast, to me, I don't know if it was something about the gasp or because I had been, you know, distracted because of the, you watching it with Perry, sure. but it wasn't, it wasn't as obvious to me. Like, I was like, why did she gasp? Yeah. I don't remember that. Like I had forgotten that. And so I don't know if it was the, I don't know. But, yeah, but I agree. I stand by, but I do stand by that. I do think it's, I think it's because she's so overwhelmed with his story being told. Right. Because in Chicago also, there was that very distinct moment when Hamilton sort of moved to the side and and made way for her to walk to the front. Do you remember that? Yes, yes. Like, yes. this is yours now? And then uh-huh. with, so with the gas, I've got, by the way, I have just straight up goosebumps all over my body talking about this. I don't, I don't I know. It's crazy. But so I too thought it was like, almost like an, oh my gosh, I did it. Like, yes, I, yes. I told your story. Mm-hmm. Again, the goosebumps. Um, but it seemed more dramatic in a way in the Disney plus version, like yes. it seemed almost like she was startled by something. So I don't know. And Lin-Manuel Miranda says that he just like, that it depends on the Eliza almost how that reads. Okay. But, um, but he said he definitely thinks that they, that she that she experiences something that transcends time. Whether that's she, she sees the audience and is uh-huh. shocked because she realizes that she told the story, or because she sees God. Some people speculate that that she dies in the, that, like, that's the moment of her uh-huh. death, and she uh-huh. sees him and Philip. I don't know, but I have never really thought about it until the Disney Plus version came out. Yeah, I I felt like in Chicago, I absolutely knew. And in my mind, I was like, oh, the whole thing has been about Eliza. Like yeah. that, that the whole Hamilton was ultimately about Eliza and what she did to make sure his story was told. And I really got that the Disney plus. But then what I really loved is I saw one article I read said that you can see like the way Lin-Manuel Miranda walks around her, like that he goes from being the, the, the character of Hamilton to he walks around to the other side and he becomes himself Mm. and he escorts her to the front of the stage to show her, look what you did. And I told your story. Yeah. And so I loved that, like of thinking that that's when he steps out of character and becomes himself to show her, look at look at all these people seeing your story that is my personal favorite version well it's very interesting I love stuff like that and I love I love somebody being genius enough to write something that way so that there's room for interpretation and there's not necessarily a right answer I don't know I enjoy the ambiguity of that a little bit yeah yeah I think it's I feel like I continue to and I promise this isn't going to become an all Hamilton (laughs) podcast all the time. But did you see the article today? I think Annie Downs retweeted it on Twitter, but it was Lynn Manuel Miranda talking about him writing the song My Shot. No, I did not see the article. Oh, oh, you are gonna need to read that. It it's so fascinating because the amount of we'll link to it. I'm telling you the amount of thought that he put into how he used one rap style, how he used old school rap for Lawrence and um, Lafayette yes. and to, to use, and then how he transitioned it to more modern rap when Hamilton came in to show it was a new era to the way it all tied together. I was like, this is like a level of genius that is just beyond. Like I can't even, I can't even handle it. Is this a new, is this a new article or is this, okay. I don't yeah. know. It was a video. It was I a video it of him okay. Cause I do remember seeing something early on where he had like specific rapper styles or the styles of different rappers for different characters mm-hmm. which i think is just genius yeah. i don't know i the whole thing is so stinking good i just i'm so i'm so grateful for his creativity and the fact that he yeah. stuck with that thing for six years to get it done it's so good i know i know it's just it's phenomenal it's just phenomenal i did also several people several people have reached out to let us know that there is another phil rosenthal series um, called yes. I'll Have What Phil's Having 
that was on PBS before Somebody Feed Phil started. And um, I'll have you know that I bought that that series last night on Amazon Prime. Um, oh, okay. I feel like that's going to be a, a good use of nine ninety nine, and um, so I bought it and I watched the first episode, which was in Tokyo. But I'm telling you, like I don't, I don't know like physiology. I don't know about you know the chemicals in our bodies that mm-hmm. cause us to experience joy or calm or whatever. But I'm here to tell you that that whatever conditions this particular point in in history this huge span of time where we've been home mm-hmm. whatever anxiety or uncertainty i might feel in that sometimes a phil rosenthal documentary seems to have every antidote that i need or antidote yes. not anecdote but every antidote <laughs> i need in order to um just to settle settle down a little bit yeah yeah, I would agree with that. It's very calming. It's mm-hmm. very calming. Yes. And peaceful. Yes. I was talking to my friend Brian this morning, who I work with, and we were, because I told him about Somebody Feed Feel. Mm-hmm. And so he was telling me about some stuff that he watched. And then I was like, well, you also need to watch Salt, Fat, Acid, Heat. And so mm-hmm. we were talking about that. And I thought, you know, there is something, there is something about the shows that have to do with food. Yes. Yes. Something about I- it. I agree. Well, and what's the, there's a new one too that I was, I'd put it on my list, but Padma Lakshmi has a new, what's hers on Hulu, Taste the Nation. Yes. Yes. And I think it's, and I've heard it's really good, but I have not watched it yet, but I've always really liked her. I do too. um, She has great style. Yeah. So I'll be interested to watch that at some point. That's on my list. I felt like I needed to take a little bit of a break from the food shows. I know. Um, So, but um I'll be back on it. I say too much of a good thing's a good thing. I, um, I, I just, I, I'm going to need, I'm going to need Phil to, to go ahead and maybe start working on something else. Yeah. So that I can, I can enjoy his travels. But I know something tells me traveling is a little harder right now. (laughs) Well, nobody wants us. It's what, it's really the situation we're in is that. I did think it's a shame because I wish if I knew if the world was really ending, like if I knew that (laughs) Caroline weren't going to college you know what I mean like I would take that money that we put aside for her tuition and just go travel you know what I mean like just just blow it take if some I trips. That. Uh-huh. yeah we go spend the rest of our summer like in Turks and Caicos or something right. you know? yeah on like, the coast of Greece uh-huh yeah. yeah just whatever be like we're gonna go out in style but um you know sure as I did that everything would get but they'd be like guess what ta-da we have a vaccine everything's back to normal and then I'd be like sorry remember that good trip we took that's why you're not going to college yeah no that was that would have been nice but yeah no not prudent Uh it's not meant to be hey y'all it's me with a quick break in the podcast episode to talk to you about hydrant as you well know summer is here and it is crazy hot outside and even though we all know that we should drink more water It's hard to know how much water we're supposed to drink. And a lot of times by the time we feel thirsty, it's too late because we're already dehydrated. So the good news, so glad when there's good news. The good news is that it doesn't have to be a complicated deal because we can start our days with Hydrant. Hydrant helps us hydrate faster. Hydrant has created a refreshing electrolyte powder that you mix directly into water to more efficiently and effectively hydrate your body. It hydrates you quickly and keeps you going for longer. So each rapid hydration mix has the four essential electrolytes your body needs, sodium, potassium, magnesium, and zinc, and it packs a punch to help your body hydrate fast and stay hydrated. And Hydrant is backed by research. The formula was developed by an Oxford scientist. It's also loved by pro athletes, top performers, celebrities, and has thousands of five-star reviews. It's made with real fruit juice powder. It's delicious, it's refreshing, and it comes in a variety of flavors, including a new summer-friendly iced tea lemonade and fruit punch. I happen to be a big fan of the lime hydrant flavor and also the blood orange. And here's what I love about it. It doesn't taste like an artificially sweetened fruit drink. It tastes like somebody squeezed fruit into your water. So you get more of a true fruit flavor and the lime actually has a little tartness to it. It's not super sweet. So it's actually super refreshing. It comes in really handy pouches so that it's easy to pour into your water bottle or you can mix it up in your kitchen in a glass. It's so convenient. 
and it's really tasty. Plus, it's backed by a 100% satisfaction guarantee. If you don't love it, send it back for a full refund. I'm so happy to tell you also that we have a special deal for our Big Bootcast listeners to save 25% off your first order. So go to drinkhydrant.com slash bigboo and enter our promo code bigboo at checkout for 25% off your first order. That's D-R-I-N-K-H-Y-D-R-A-N-T dot com slash bigboo and enter the promo code bigboo for 25% off your first order order. If you make it a daily mission to stay hydrated, or if you want to do a better job of staying hydrated, you're really going to love this. Alrighty, back to episode 193. Well, we thought on this week's episode, and we're recording this a little bit before it comes out, because Melanie is going to be in Birmingham uh, when we normally record. So, which is very exciting, um, especially low in this time of quarantine. (sighs) I know. I can't believe I'm getting on a plane. I know. I feel, it feels very, like, daring and exotic. Whoever <laughs> knew that a flight to Birmingham would feel like such a leap of faith. No, a whatever. nonstop flight to Birmingham. <laughs> um, so, anyway, so, Melanie, and we're going to, we're going to kind of, we're not even going to be at my house. We're going we're gonna to kind of go away for a couple of days and do some planning and some, some thinking about the next year. But so what we decided, really what Melanie decided, because this, this was her idea, is that we would talk about on this episode some of the books that have shaped us over the course of our lives, which yes. I love. Okay. Well, I, I was thinking about it because I got on a rabbit trail, which I will talk about later, which made me think of the topic. Okay. So, um, uh, I'm curious to know how many books are on your list? I mean, I kind of have a bunch, but some of them are like brain or kind of lumped in together because they're by the same author I haven't counted I bet I have like 15 ish okay so but they kind of can go in categories I feel like a little bit okay I think I have 11 okay well and I have well I have 10 and then one sort of series well I have a couple of series actually okay yeah I do too so um anyway okay well why don't you start then why don't you kick us off okay I will start with, and this is from very, but if if I were to trace back my love of reading, like to a thing, like I don't remember, I mean, maybe my parents read to me at night. I don't really remember them reading to me a lot at night. I don't know why. Um, Because I think it was the 70s and whatever. Just it was a different time. Listen, they had to go to some fondue parties. They had fondue parties. It was, they they had other things. We didn't know about children's literacy at that point and the importance Mm -hmm. therein. But I remember very clearly, I can envision myself and I can even picture where it was. But I think I had to have been in first grade. And I remember going into the Bamel Elementary School Library in Houston, Texas. And I discovered all the little Peter Rabbit books by Beatrix Potter. Oh. And they were little tiny, you know, how they're like the little Mm -hmm. small ones. And I like, and the girls would all fight over who got to check them out that week. They were in high demand. But I just remember those little books because of the size and the drawings and the whole thing. And I feel like that's really when I learned to read, were reading those books. They were magical to me. I love that. I am the same. And of course I was the third child by a mile so I don't mm-hmm. remember I mean I feel like maybe I had I'm, I know mama read to me uh, you know I had like we had this whole um child life series I think that's what that was called I don't remember but it was like a month like all, all these children's nursery rhymes and I do rem- remember mama reading those to me mm-hmm. but um but I always like my little picture books and that kind of stuff but when I was in probably second or third grade same deal school library I discovered the boxcar children books. Oh yeah. And Uh that's the first time I remember reading a book that was, you know, like longer than a picture book kind Uh of thing. Uh And I blazed through those boxcar children um, books. And so our librarian, Miss Coker, um, put me onto the Nancy Drew books. Oh yeah. So, and if you are a child who sort of errs on the side of nosy anyway, yeah. uh, <laughs> then a mystery at that age, you know, I was yeah. just captivated. And I read, they were all hardback at that point. Um, it was, you know, all Nancy and Ned and Bess. Mm-hmm. And um, I read every one of them. 
and what what we didn't have in my school library, I found at our public library, and then I would go to Bookland in the mall and, oh, and yeah. get some. But I read them all, and that's the first time I remember what would be a pattern really for my whole life, which is staying up way into the night uh-huh. reading a book. So yep. Nancy Drew Mysteries totally got me hooked, and then as a teenager, that morphed into like the um, Sweet Valley High books. I loved. Yes. And um, my friend Laura's mama used to read Harlequin romances all the time. And so then that went moved me into Harlequin romances, which uh-huh. moved me into a really good trashy beach fiction um, yeah. <laughs> phase for a while. But all those, all that to say, it was really books that were a series that, uh-huh. that pulled me in more than like, you know, a, a one-off here or there. I loved yeah. kind of going in with a whole um, mythology of a town or a character or whatever. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Getting to know a whole mm-hmm. thing. Yeah. I totally agree with that. I loved a series. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. So my next, I'm kind of doing these in chronicle, chron- chronological <laughs> order or chronological order. Okay. Whichever one, um, kind of the way I remember. So I feel like my next love was when I moved up to chapter books, there were, it's when I discovered Beverly Cleary Mm-hmm. And to me, there were two that were pivotal. One was the mouse and the motorcycle. Okay. Something about that book, that little mouse riding that motorcycle. Mm-hmm. It was so, it just, I thought it was so funny. I loved it. I thought it was magical. I'm sure if I read it now, I don't even know what I would think, but I loved it. Like mm-hmm. the whole Ralph, the motorcycle mouse that just captured my imagination. And then that led me to read all the Ramona books. But the first one I think I ever read was Ramona the Pest. Okay. And I identified with the, that book. I related to Ramona's character. There are still things from those books that I remember, like that that Ramona called the lamp in her living room the Dawn's Early Light because okay. she, from the Star Spangled Banner, it was the <laughs> Dawn's Early Light, and she thought it was another word for lamp. Like there's just little things like that that I still remember. Um, and I read a whole bunch. I mean, I read probably most of the Beverly Cleary books, Henry and Ribsy and all those, but those two are the ones that were like the standouts to me that made me love reading chapter books. Hi, it's me again with another break in the episode to talk to you about Care Of. Care Of is a wellness brand that makes it easy to maintain your health goals with a customized vitamin plan that helps you feel your best today and supports you long term. Care Of can make taking your vitamins and supporting your health goals attainable. And Care Of's easy online quiz helps you find the vitamins and powders that will support your specific health goals, like improving your fitness routine or managing stress. And Care Of has a new line, the Skin and Hair Collection, that helps you work on your beauty goals from all angles with a combination of targeted ingredients for hair, skin, and nails. Care Of is focused on the quality, science, and research that goes into each of their products and recommendations. And the vitamin aisle can be a confusing place. There's so many things. It's hard to know what you need to get, where you should start. And that is why Kirov's online quiz is such a great thing. You take the online quiz, you answer some questions about your diet and your health goals and your lifestyle. And Kirov will recommend a list of vitamins and supplements specifically for your health needs and goals. In addition to the fact that I love the Care Of quiz, I love somebody figuring out for me what it is that I need to do. I especially love the packets they send you. You can rip one off and throw it in your bag. If you're going to be away for a few days, you can just rip off the number of packets you need. Everything that they have recommended that you take is in that packet. It makes it so easy to keep up with and so much easier to remember to take your vitamins or your supplements. I'm so happy to tell you that if you would like to try Care Of, here is all you have to do. You can get 50% off your first Care Of order by going to TakeCareOf.com and entering the promo code BigBooCast50. That's 50% off your first Care Of order. Go to TakeCareOf.com and enter the code BigBooCast50. Here we go. Back to episode 193. Well, and I would say after I came out of my Nancy Drew phase, like apart from moving into like the Sweet Valley High and all that kind of stuff, mm-hmm. um, the the big pivotal big time like books that even made me laugh a little bit in ways that mm-hmm. I didn't know books could do were the Judy Bloom books. 
Yeah. Oh, yeah. Those are on my list. Yeah. 100%. And I guess that's like later, older elementary school, maybe when I got into the Judy Mm -hmm. Bling books. But I love them. And I can remember going to the public library because mama would drop me off there a lot of times on Saturday mornings and I'd just spend the day. Um, But I can remember going and looking for, it was hard to find the Judy Bloom books because everybody liked to check them out because they were good. They were funny. But like Tales of a Fourth Grade Nothing, Are You There, God, It's Me, Margaret. Mm -hmm. Those books were solid gold. And I, I just, oh, I mean, I can feel now how I would feel when I when I would see one I hadn't read. So yeah, that was maybe the first time I felt a real fondness for an author mm-hmm. was when I started to read Judy Bloom books. I loved her. I agree. I think I, I vividly remember, I think I was in fourth grade when I read Tales of a Fourth Grade Nothing. And then I read Super Fudge when it came uh, out. And I remember thinking Super Fudge was the funniest dang book I'd ever uh-huh. read in my whole life. Like made me laugh out loud. Like was probably the first book that I think I would read out loud to my parents, who I'm sure didn't think it was that funny. Right. But like, I thought it was so funny. Um, I love the way it was written. And then I read um, Blubber. And, yes, I forgot um, about Blubber. Yes, otherwise known as Sheila the Great. Oh, and, I um, love that one. Remember? Yeah, that was such a good one. And um, because she, a lot of her characters, like Peter Hatcher was in other books. You know, like she used her characters uh-huh. kind of overlapped in some books. And then, of course, Are You There, God, It's Me, Margaret. Which it's funny because, like, Caroline's never read that book. And I'm like, it would be so dated now. You know Yo, what I mean? Like, yeah. Oh, it would be so dated now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we don't have to. We don't have to get into it, but it would be, yeah. So dated. It makes me laugh because it's like, and I put one on my Instagram story today, but it's like the, the TikToks you see of like the way girls dance on TikTok now at age 13 and the way they danced when I was 13. Like it's that same, it's like that it's, same vibe. It's I, version of that. I associate, are you there? God, it's me, Margaret. I mean, like almost with, with such a specific time in my life where mama got me it was she got me at one point I won't get into this much but she got me the mm-hmm. life cycle library oh so uh-huh. I could learn about things pertaining yes. to life yes and the yes. cycle of life and <laughs> yeah. uh, and so what the way that we did that was that I would read and then mama would come back and want to know if I had any questions you know about mm-hmm. what I had read mm-hmm. And, um, but that was right in that, are you there, God, it's me, Margaret time of my life. And so there's such a, there's such a strange awkwardness at that point in your life, because you're kind of being entrusted with some adult information, but you can't reconcile it in your head. Like, it's just weird. It was weird. Yes. Like you don't have any idea how that really how that really plays out. And, and I was a person who had, had really made it a pretty far piece in my life thinking just that you got pregnant if you got married. Like, I yes. just thought that's like, yes. you just, you, just yes. you got married. And then like, it was like a, some magic God clock clicked on and you could get pregnant. Yeah. And so, um, I don't know. So I have such like, such weirdly affectionate memories for that time because of its awkwardness and it's, you know, (laughs) all of that. Yeah. Yeah. Cause it was all the things. And like when your mom would say, do you have any questions? And you would want to say yes, but none that I want to ask you. None that I would ever, nothing I would ever say. I do remember one specific question that I asked mama um, that I would, I'll I'll tell my friends, but I would not say it publicly because Mm -hmm. it was too embarrassing. But yeah. but yeah, like, but I wor- really had to work up to that thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was a, but then I remember because Judy Bloom, I mean, like you started with, are you there? God, it's me, Margaret. But then you went into, I mean, I remember like I read, I snuck, I will say now because the stat, there's got to be a statute of limitations, but I read Deanie and I read forever, forever. and <laughs> forever. Listen, you want to talk, you want to talk about a book that has been read in some back shelves of some libraries everywhere across America. I don't even forever. know who gave me a copy of forever. No. I don't know who. Like bootleg. It was bootleg. But I will tell you this pages were falling out of that thing. Uh huh. I, I don't And again, I don't remember how I got it, but yeah, that was, listen, that was some 19, what year was that? Was that like 1980? 1982 yeah, early 1980s probably but it was something it was 
I mean, I feel like for a long time, that was how I learned everything I knew was from forever. <laughs> but so. I'm going to tell you, as mama would say, that wouldn't be a drop in the bucket now. I mean, that <laughs> No, it wouldn't. It wouldn't. I would be interested to read it now as a grown up. Yeah. To even now remember if it was is bad because at the time it was like, oh my gosh, this is mm. right. It's like I was reading Judith Krantz, you know? <laughs> I mean, it was like, yeah. Jackie Which, Collins. by the way, I did later in high school. <laughs> I did. <laughs> I remember my daddy saying to me um, when I was reading, I think I had a Jackie Collins book. Mm-hmm. And um, and he was like, I don't know if I was in high school. He was like, I don't know if you should be reading that. I was like, it's fine. It's fine. It's, it's narrator's fine. voice. It was not fine. It was yeah, fine. narrator's voice. It, as it turns out, it was not fine. <laughs> but anyway. <laughs> 80s it was the 80s but I have to say before we get off Judy Bloom so but my very favorite and this is what got me on the on the trail of this the other day thinking about it was my very favorite of all her books was starring Sally J Friedman as herself okay and so I loved that book and you're gonna know this is gonna make sense to you because Sally J Friedman was a young Jewish girl she was 13 it took place in the years right after World War II had happened so there was this and you know I know you know, that has been a theme in my life where anything that has to do with that fascinates me. And so, so much of it was about that she imagined, she kept saying that she, she thought Hitler lived in their neighborhood where they lived in Florida. She was afraid of the Nazis, that she had this real active imagination. But I just, I really, but in some ways, like I think the way she like daydreamed and stuff, I really related to Sally J. Friedman. Right. In a way. And so the other night I started thinking, cause I looked it up on Amazon. I don't know why, just out of curiosity. And I was like, no, I want to, so I went back and Googled cause I wanted to find the one that had the book cover that I remembered. Um, and so I went back on Google images to find the book cover that Aww. I remembered because I loved the book cover too, because she's looking in the mirror and she's got on this two piece, like floral sarong kind of outfit with a flower in her hair. Cause she loved Esther Williams. And so that's what made me start thinking about books that had influenced me. Oh, so. Well, Judy Bling clearly had a big influence in our lives. Clearly. Hey, can, can, hold on one second. I think this may be Max Terminator calling. Hold okay. on. Okay, so... To move away from Judy Bloom, here's where I went in high school. Now, this is where I would love to tell you that this is really where I dug into the classics. Yes. But what I remember (laughs) about high school was that I was was supposed to read the classics. You know, we were supposed to read, um, I I remember being in AP English and we were reading Heart of Darkness by Joseph Conrad and, you know, all this stuff. I'm going to tell you what I was reading. Any book about um, twins that had been separated (laughs) at birth. And one had become very famous and lived in Hollywood and the other had been down on her luck, but they swapped lives. Um, Mm -hmm. That's what I was reading in high school. Anything about five friends from college who their lives go in all different directions, but a dramatic or tragic event brings them back together and they Mm -hmm. find out the real truth about one another's lives. This was my high school wheelhouse. And it's Mm -hmm. probably telling that I can't think of a single title of one of those books. Yes. But I read all of them. I read all of them. Yes. I remember I was my friend, my, one of my best friends in high school was named Angie. And I remember that Angie, I think her mom was a big, was on a big Danielle Steele kick. And Angie gave me a copy of a Danielle Steele book called The Ring, which there again. Oh, I read The Ring. Took place, let me remind you, in World War II. I I did. And I read it. I did read The Ring. It I loved that book. Mm-hmm. I bet I read The Ring over. That's not even on my original list, but I read The Ring over and over and over again. I thought it was just the best story. Oh, yeah. It was I read so many Daniel Steele books. I, mm-hmm. I, 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 there was no limit to my ability to consume those kinds of books. Mm-hmm. So I read a lot of beach fiction in high school. And then I did what I had to do, you know, to get through the school part. But, yeah. But I, so I don't remember like... There's nothing really that shaped me in terms of something that was really meaningful to me, but it that that time in my life definitely 
sort of solidified my, my love of reading because I would read pretty much anything. Again, I, I needed some twins to have gotten separated or something. Yeah. But yes. I loved I loved books about um, people who, you know, had overcome great odds or <laughs> whatever. Yes. Yes, um, had gone. Well, that was, I mean, the Sweet Valley High books, I mean, for years, those were mine. Mm-hmm. Like the, I mean, because we were of the age where like when they first started coming out. So it was like, it was like to wait on the next Sweet Valley High book, which fortunately a new one came out like once every six weeks. And mm-hmm. so you could go get that, that new book. And oh, I just, I loved reading about the Wakefield twins. Yes. Oh, I loved those books. I and Elizabeth's relationship with Todd. And then you had Bruce Patman and Lila. You just, it was a lot of Lila. I forgot Lila. about Lila. Yes. Lila. Yes. The, the rich girl who mm. was really sometimes good at heart, but mm. sometimes not. I mean, it was a constant thing, but I will tell you, so I am kind of same. So there's, I had two other books that I thought of that I read over and over again. One I ordered a couple of years ago off of Amazon and it's super hard to find, but I just had to get it to see if it was as good as I remembered. And I'm going to tell you that it wasn't, Okay. but it, it was called Hail, Hail Camp Timberwood. Okay. It was by Ellen Conford. It was about a girl named Melanie who went off to summer camp for the first time okay. and fell in love. It's a very innocent uh, book, but I loved that book. There was something about the camp thing and going off and that she fell in love for the first time. And there was a boy side of the camp and the girl side of the camp. And just the whole thing to me was, I loved it. Mm-hmm. I loved that book. But then on another hand, and you're going to laugh because this is going to tie into our conversation that we're going to have later for Patreon this summer, there was a book that I remember that my mother gave me. And now I know why she gave it to me because I just looked and I saw that it was like a focus on the family recommendation in the 80s. And it was called Just Like Ice Cream. And it was about a girl who has sex and gets pregnant as a teenager. And I am going to tell you that it scarred me for life. (laughs) Yeah. That's about what we are going, we're going to get into that on Patreon a little bit. We sure are. Mm -hmm. Like it, it, I'm sure it was, listen, I don't even remember who wrote it. I just remember the name and I remember thinking this, it was, it like now I look back and I think it was so comically cast as like the villain and the girl and the whole thing. But it, I will just say that it really scarred me in a lot. Um, and so that book, I have to include it because it had a, it had an impact on me in terms of creating a deep fear in me. <laughs> yes, yes. Well, that was a lot of the '80s. That was a lot of the '80s strategy for how to keep girls, uh huh, in line. Was just just scared to death. Um, I'm really mm-hmm. scared. Like I'm really scared. So. Hey y'all, it's me, all by myself here towards the end of the episode to talk to you about Thrive Market. What if I told you that you could get high quality organic and non-GMO groceries delivered to your door for a lot less than you're paying now and help out families in need? That is what we can all do with Thrive Market. And as a proud Thrive Market member, I get the products I love, you can get the products you love, and our paid memberships provide a free one for someone in need, like a low-income family or a veteran or a first responder. Thrive Market tailors to over 70 different diets and values like paleo, keto, plant-based, delivering the highest quality organic and non-GMO food. They also offer clean beauty and bath products, pet staples, and non-toxic cleaning products, plus ethical meat, sustainable seafood, clean wine, and more. Here's what I have enjoyed about Thrive Market. I have very specific granola needs, not ashamed to admit it. And they can meet those needs. They have such a wide selection. And I also have very specific face soap needs in terms of wanting my face soap to be clean. I don't want it to have chemicals in it. I like things to be really herby and good. So Thrive Market has a wide selection of those as well. And as a Thrive Market member, I am saving 25 to 50% off traditional retail prices and their carbon neutral shipping is free on orders over $49. So you can feel great about getting a deal on your favorite clean organic products and also feel great about helping to support families who need it most. Thrive Market is working all day every day to make sure members are getting their groceries delivered as fast as possible and you can learn more about their commitments to customers and their membership matching on their website. 
So try Thrive Market and become a member risk-free. Go to thrivemarket.com slash bigboo. Join today and you'll get up to $20 in shopping credit toward your first order. That's T-H-R-I-V-E market.com slash bigboo to start your risk-free membership and get up to $20 toward your first order. Thrivemarket.com slash bigboo. Here's the rest of 193. Um, yeah, so that was that. I, ha- I cannot not mention that book. Um, okay, so I, um, I, so again, I, I read a lot of beachy stuff when I was in high huh. school, but when I got to college, I encountered some books that really did, like I can honestly say, and I don't say this lightly, I read some books that really did change my life mm-hmm. um, in terms of kind of opening my eyes to other experiences, other cultures, all that kind of stuff. I took some phenomenal classes in school, um, you know, that, that really let us dig into like certain genres of literature, Mm -hmm. but one, there are a couple really probably there are three and I'll just say them all at one time that, that captivated me in such a way and really probably started to make me think about what would it be like to write something, you know, Mm -hmm. like what would it be? What would it be like? Now I've always known that I'm not a fiction writer. I've always (laughs) known that. And I'm going to get into the nonfiction stuff that really shaped me in a minute. But, but as far as fiction works of fiction that really shaped me um, in terms of just leaving me kind of, of um, awestruck by somebody's ability to craft a work, uh-huh. Um, the Color Purple by Alice Walker, Ellen okay. Foster, a book called Ellen Foster by Kay Gibbons. It's a tiny little book. Um, it's, it's, it's brilliant. And then The Glass Menagerie, which is, of course, a play uh-huh. by Tennessee Williams. And those those three works, <laughs> um, I don't know if it was, um, you know, I, I obviously all Southern Color Purple and Ellen Foster, both with a first-person narrator, which I love. Uh Ellen Foster with a child narrator, which I love. Um, Mm -hmm. And then The Glass Menagerie with just all manner of Southern dysfunction. Yes. So those three are like my collegiate trifecta in terms Uh of things. To this day, I love them. And I will say, I think Ellen Foster is a sleeper. Um, of a a work of fiction and if you have not read it I just recommend that you do it is so beautiful and so brilliant and I have a really vivid memory of um, of finishing it the day that I finished it I was in Startville and just just boohooing so okay okay all right that's uh, see and I haven't I have not read that you would love it you would love it Okay, I need to read it. And you can read, read it, it in an afternoon. And um, the main character is a girl named Starletta. And Starletta has been neglected. And she's had a really difficult childhood. And just is in a constant um, state of, can I trust this person? I don't know if I can trust that person. And just uh-huh. the way she she sort of endures all the, the change and the trauma in her life. And it's a beautiful book. Okay. Okay. And now I, now it's kind of same, but different for me because I was, um, I was a speech communications major in college. Mm -hmm. And so I didn't read a whole lot in terms of what I had to read in college. I don't remember, but I do remember like pivotal books that made me, so Judy Bloom probably made me want to be a writer because I loved the way she told a story, Mm -hmm. even though I knew I wasn't going to write fiction. Um, but I remember being pretty young and my mom had a copy of If Life is a Bowl of Cherries, What Am I Doing in the Pits uh, Irma by Irma Bombeck. Mm-hmm. And remember the cover was like a cartoon of her and she was like surrounded by cherries. And I, I picked that up. I, yeah. And I picked it up and read it one day. And I loved Irma Bombeck. Like that started. I read that book. I read Motherhood, the Second Oldest Profession. I read if um, The Grass is Always Greener under the septic tank, like all of her books, I feel like were a staple in my life because I I just, yeah, that was always like, so that to me, she was the first person that gave me an appreciation of real life and like writing about real life and making real life funny. Um, so she was one of my heroes. And then there were two other books that I loved. And this was an author that just really impacted me and I probably read these later in high school, I think, but one was Jacob Have I Loved by Katherine Patterson. Okay. Um, and then the other was Bridge to Terabithia, which she also wrote. And both of those books to me, when I read them, I was like, these are like 
the best written books I've ever read. Like in that moment. Now, granted, I had been reading Sweet Valley High and Hail, Hail, Camp Timberwood up to this, but I was so stunned and moved by how beautifully both of those stories were told in the way she wrote. And that was the first time I remember being like, wow, like the way she uses words, like just amazed me. Mm, I love that. Mm-hmm. That was a big one. Um, I, I was also, well, I was thinking about this last night. I also have a vivid memory of, um, I had a professor at state. I've mentioned her to you before. Um, Dr. Marianne Daisy, who was my favorite. I just, and she was so influential in my life in so many ways and was really the first professor who, who looked at my like essay writing, you know, like my, just Mm -hmm. my personal narrative essay writing. And I, and, and, and saw something, you know, like mm-hmm. that would carry mm-hmm. me a little bit in there. Um, but she mentioned to me at one point, because she knew how I love to write a personal um, narrative, a woman named Florence King. And so I read a couple of Florence King books. Now I can't, I actually downloaded one a couple of weeks ago because I want to read it again. I have no idea what it's about. Okay. I just know that she wrote the the personal essay and she was kind of a little baldy, you know, like she was okay, not your yeah. typical Southern um, demure Southern woman. And so uh-huh. I do remember that. But what happened to me after I, I kind of got out of college and moved into the next phase of my life was I found myself having to read books that I was going to teach kids, right? Mm, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, so there were, there were a couple of those that were, that I had missed in all my years of school that I read Uh, you know, as I was kind of starting into that phase of my life that were super um, impactful for me. One of those is To Kill a Mockingbird by Harper Lee, which Mm -hmm. it's just one of the all-time best. And then a book called, um, well, And the Great Gatsby by F. Scott Fitzgerald. I love, 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 love. And Mm -hmm. Peace Like a River by Leif Inger. Uh, I I love so much. Such a good book. Yep. Such a great book. So all of those kind of parts of different high school curriculums um, but books that I think deserve to be parts of different high school curriculums and books that w- probably the first books where I, because of where I was in my, in my spiritual life too, and just sort of my personal walk with the Lord mm-hmm. books where I saw so much truth running mm-hmm. through the narrative that, that, um, I don't know where I thought, oh, there are big lessons here. That was probably the first mm-hmm. time where I really read and thought, oh, golly, there's, there's, there's a lot to take away here. So those three, I really love. Yeah, that, that was a, it's funny. Cause when you say that, like, I think I didn't read To Kill a Mockingbird until I was in college. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I'm trying to think, and then. What was another? Oh, when I was at AM, I had to take a theater class, which this is really random, but we had to do a study of Cat on a Hot Tin Roof. I love me some Cat on a Hot Tin Roof. And that, <laughs> listen. Oh, listen, Big Daddy. Uh-huh. Uh huh. I mean, that, I was like, now this is some storytelling. Uh-huh. Like, I didn't, I didn't, uh-huh. I had never read any Tennessee Williams. I didn't know, but it was like, Oh, now this is a, this is a grown up story. Like yes. Uh huh. There's oh, some was... there's some backstory here. <laughs> I took a, a I can't remember what the name of the class was. Nancy Hargrove taught it. Another one of my favorite professors at state. Um, I, I took I must have taken six classes from her. I think over the course of college and grad school. Uh-huh. But I, it was a modern drama survey, and so. What we had to do was we we would read plays like Cat on a Hot Tin Roof or mm-hmm. Streetcar Named Desire or Virginia Woolf or whatever, and then we would act we would go to the the auditorium and we would act out scenes. Oh, and I remember having yeah. to act out a scene of Cat on a Hot Tin Roof. <laughs> oh. I'm so tickled thinking about it. I had to act out a scene of Cat on a Hot Tin Roof, and I no joke as I read it, I had on a plaid skirt. <laughs> With the coordinating sweater that was red and green that had a little bit of the plaid from the skirt on the shoulder oh, of the sweater. Yes, ma'am. And a bow the size of a saucer in my hair uh-huh. with some coordinating flats, coordinated flats and par- probably some hose on. Oh. And I was reading Cat on a Hot Tin Roof. But I, listen, I am such a Tennessee Williams fan. There is mm-hmm. nobody who gets at the dysfunction of no. the deep down dysfunction of... No. of patriarchal southern life like he does Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like I didn't know it was one of those. And, and I come from, you know, you can appreciate this uh-huh. and this will be a book I write someday, but I come from a family that was full of secrets, like full of secrets. And when I, I will never forget reading that play and experiencing that and going, oh, so people actually can, they'll actually write about this. Like this. Yeah, they'll just, they'll just throw it out there. They'll, oh, uh-huh. it's fascinating. Uh-huh. We'll just put it all out there. I didn't know that we could do that. This is a game changer. Like it was fascinating to me. Yeah. I love, love, love Tennessee Williams. I'm so glad that we have that. We have him in common as somebody yeah. who shaped us. Listen, yes. we may, we may, while you're here, we may do us a dramatic reading of Count on a Hot Tin Rave. We, we could. I'm just sitting here, when you were sitting describing reading it in college, I thought, why didn't people have cell phones back then? So we have a video of that somewhere. Because that. I know. That's the show I didn't know I needed. Well, but listen, I, do. I don't know that I brought quite the, <laughs> the undercurrent of um, those lines to the surface um, but I'm thinking really while you're here, I think we round up Aaron and Jamie. I think we can oh. make this happen. <laughs> I feel like Aaron could probably get us a set up and ready by the time you get here. I think she could too. I think we could get some costumes. I feel <laughs> like we could make this happen. I feel really good about it. I do too. Uh-huh. I, um, I, listen, the Glass <laughs> Menagerie was really of all of everything I got to teach when I was an English teacher, the Glass Menagerie I don't know. To Kill a Mockingbird's maybe yeah. the top, but Glass Menagerie second. Because when kids, when you let kids read that play out loud, and we would mm-hmm. always read it out loud, we would we would do a, an act a day. When you let them read out loud, read it out loud, and you kind of explain the dynamics, what every single person can relate to is dysfunction and oh. people who are mm-hmm. passive aggressive. Mm-hmm. And Tennessee Williams writes a passive aggressive woman better than just about. Yeah. <laughs> Anybody. Anybody. Yeah. So a a slightly delusional passive aggressive woman. He, listen, Mm -hmm. he had that sucker down pat. Mm -hmm. So. Yep. Yeah. He knows. We're we're going to dig into this more when you get here. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. He sat in some living rooms is what I'm going to tell you (laughs) and observed some things. He did. Uh Uh-huh. Uh-huh. That's Um, good. So that is, so then I have to say in college, so, cause I can't not, but this was the first book and I, it, it had a huge impact in my life. And so we're, this is a hard left. Um, but it was no wonder they call him the savior by Max Licato. Okay. <laughs> hard left. Well, I think we probably see, I would say, um, for me left behind the whole left behind series oh. was really Oh, I totally, I wasn't even, that wasn't even on my list, but yes, ma'am. I read all of those when Perry and I were newlyweds. Yes, and if you think too. I didn't every night, cause Perry doesn't really like to read that kind of stuff. And I, he, but he was interested enough that he'd be like, what happened tonight? And I'd be like, well, I'll tell you what happened tonight. I was so into those books. I was too. And it kind of, I don't, I don't know. Well, I mean, I could, I could analyze it, but, um, but they did something to me in terms of probably uh, making <laughs> me a little afraid. Maybe. I don't know. Um, yeah. Keeping my eye out for Nikolai Carpathia. Yeah. Um, who's, who is he? But I know. Yeah. Anyway. It was, those were, those were transformative, mm-hmm. but, um, but no, but I feel like the Max Licato books were really, I had never heard somebody write about God like that, like yeah. that made it so relatable and so real and so impactful. Like he was the first person. And now I feel like there's a lot more of that out there. But back at that, back in that time, I don't feel like there was like that. It kind of, no wonder they call him the savior kind of undid some of the damage that just like ice cream did to me. Like yeah. it, it, <laughs> yeah. it, it was the uh-huh. antidote yeah. to just like ice cream. And I needed that. And so that had a huge impact on me um, out of probably anything else that I read in that time period of my life. Well, so. I have three nonfiction writers who, again, we're going, we're going we're gonna, to, One's going to be like, oh, that I believe that. And then the other two are going to feel like a little bit of a hard left, especially in line okay. of the first one. But when um, I've said this before, but when I did Beth Moore's Believing God Bible Study, this was I had not been married very long. Um, Alex was a baby. And just reading how she um, wrote uh-huh. was uh-huh. A, a game changer for me because I was uh-huh. like, oh, okay. Yeah. Um, and I was also at that time, I had started to read um, 
um, Jennifer Weiner's books. I think, did you read Jennifer Weiner's books or did you read her oh, blog yeah. back way back yeah. when? Oh, yes, all. And all she has it. the same kind of kind of conversational thing happening in fiction mm-hmm. where it's, there's just a cadence there that's really, mm-hmm. um, I don't know, It it's there's like a comfort to it. And I found the mm-hmm. same thing in Beth's nonfiction, even, whether it was writing a Bible study or you were looking at the Believing God book. But yeah. I just loved how she... I felt like I knew what she sounded like, you know, in, in real life. And this was long before we actually knew her in, in, in our sort of day-to-day lives. Yeah. So, so there was the Jennifer Weiner, Beth, and then, um, in the middle of that, I am reading, um, uh, David Sedaris. Oh, 100%. And I will never yeah. forget, there was a little tiny collection of David Sedaris essays. And listen, some of his essays are strong in terms of mm-hmm. just language and content. Um, but he, there was a little book called Holidays on Ice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that is so wrong. God. It is so wrong and it is uh-huh. so right. Um, but mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. was really when I was like, I want... I want to write like this. I want to make people yeah. laugh like I like he's making me laugh. Like I did not know I could laugh that hard reading reading the written word. Uh-huh. And so yeah. um yeah. and I will even say most recently with his book Calypso, um, which yeah. <laughs> again we're talking about deep family dysfunction that just, it just gets aired out. Like we're just gonna lay it out. But yeah. I love his writing style so much. Um, mm-hmm. I just, he's just brilliant. So, um, and then, um, of course, I mean, Anne Lamott, like traveling oh, mercies yes. and then, but bird by bird, which is one of my, probably my top five favorite books. Oh, I, mm-hmm. I, I feel like something about reading her was I almost felt like a charge, like, like, yes. Okay this is this is what i want to do this is what i want my words to do so Mm -hmm. um to be Mm -hmm. so fiction heavy in the first part of my life it was really sort of a shift into nonfiction that um i don't know and then of course that kind of coincided with writing the blog and all that kind of stuff but yeah but two of my very favorite nonfiction writers are david sedaris and ian lamont they're both just brilliant Yeah. Yeah. I would agree with both of those. I mean, I think to me, David Sedaris, like just the way he and Anne Lamott too, like the way they come up with the phrase, like, I just like, I think Anne Lamott, when she like talks about you want to make Jesus want to drink gin right out of the cat dish. I'm like, why? I want to, I want to come up with that. Like I, I want to say that. Like, it's just so funny. And both of them deeply irreverent and especially, I mean, David Sedaris especially is biting sometimes yeah i mean and i feel like a couple of his books we but we talked about this were felt angry you know like yeah yeah um yeah but um but that holidays on ice his especially some of his yeah. early stuff that mm, it's so good i feel like me me talk pretty one yes. day yes is just hilarious. I mean, it, oh my gosh, it's just, it's so funny. It's so witty. He knows how to pull out the most obscure, bizarre things. And in remembers life. the and most obscure details about people. Yes. Yes. And it just makes it so funny, but yes, you have to, you just have to know, you're probably going to read him and be offended at some yeah. point, you know, you just have to take it as it yeah. comes. So, um, I, I would agree with those two. And then for me, my other ones are, I remember when I read Bitter is the New Black by Jen Lancaster. Oh, yeah. I remember you reading that. Oh, and that was like, she was funny. Like it was, it was, she told her real story. Like it was, she had a blog back then. Um, and she had started as a blogger and I just thought she was a, a really funny writer and I loved her stuff. And so that book to me was like, Oh, I remember thinking like, I could, I could do this. Like I could do a version of this or like kind of write like this. And so she was one, um, you know, if I've mentioned once, I've mentioned a million times that the middle place by Kelly Corgan, (laughs) I believe if I, if you haven't heard me mention, I just, I adore her as a writer. Mm -hmm. I just think she's so, so good and so talented and makes real life, um, interesting and funny and just pulls things out in the middle place to me is still my favorite book of hers. Um, and then the other one was the glass castle oh, by Janine walls, golly. which, 
Uh, because here's what here's what that did for me is the way she was able to tell her story, which you're like, this is a tragic story, but yet she made it funny mm-hmm. in the midst of telling it, like pulled the humor out. I was like, that's such a hard balance to find the funny in the midst of the darkness, which I also feel like David Sedaris and Anne Lamott do a great job of that. Mm-hmm. Like it's such a, it's such a hard balance to go. This thing is really tragic, but I'm going to bring some humor right. to it, um, which I that happens to be my favorite personality mm-hmm. trait in a person. So it stands to reason that those are the writers that I like. Yeah. Listen, um, there's, there are a lot of really gifted nonfiction writers to the point that you Mm -hmm. think, you know what, I'm just, maybe I'm just going to pack this up. Um, But it's so good to be able to go back to those books and to be not only reminded of why they're such, it's such a joy to read those books, but that they really do inspire you to want to write a little bit more and a little bit better. So yeah, it's good. Yeah. I agree. I agree. And I would add, I'm going to add two more real quick. Just, I would add Bossy Pants by Tina Fey Uh, was that same. I should have put that on my list because I have such a vivid memory of being at the beach. Mm -hmm. Alex was little, um, Mm -hmm. reading that book, like laughing my head off. Again, the language is not great, y'all, in it. None no, of these non there's language is not great in any of these nonfiction <clears throat> books we've mentioned except for Beth's. No. Uh, and Max Lucas. Like and Max <laughs> <laughs> He doesn't use a lot of the F word. I'm just as a general rule. But um but that also I was like, okay, <clears throat> that makes me that makes me want to try to write funny, you know, to or, or to yeah. continue to work at trying to write funny. Um yeah. yeah. And that's such a good one. Okay, what was your other one? Yeah. And then my other one is I really loved it was Mindy Kaling's first book is everyone hanging out without me, me too was such a good because here's what she and Tina Fey both do so well and they do it in different ways but it's the same thing is they take these everyday stories where like you read it and you're like if you just were to condense this down to its most boring thing this is not a story Mm -hmm. this is about a boy who was mean to you when you were in junior Mm -hmm. high but the way they tell it and they bring out the details Mm -hmm. and the phrases they use and the one-liners I'm like oh my gosh you just made this story that everybody's experienced like this is not a unique experience but you've made it so dadgum funny that I want to read it over and over mm-hmm. again. And that inspires me to figure out how to do that. I agree. Um, I have yeah. I have two more books on my list. I've mentioned them both okay. recently. Um, but there have been a couple of books just this this year that have been really, really, really meaningful to me. Um, as I, um, I you know, I, I kind of hit the wall with all my feelings and anger and all that kind of stuff last September. And so as a nine, I have to process everything in reverse. I can't, I can't, I have to, I have to look back and reflect. I can't process well in the moment. And so two books that have really helped me um, as I have processed stuff are The Dearly Beloved by Kara Wall, which for whatever mm-hmm. reason, I think, I think probably because you have two characters in that book, you have two couples who are ministry together and you have um, and two people in that book who, who really wrestle with doubt. And there was something about that that was so comforting to me, if only from the perspective of it just is not, we always know where our hope is. And I always know who my hope is, Mm -hmm. but there are just times where things feel uncertain and it's okay for things to feel uncertain and shaky. And um, it's okay to question in those times. I don't know. There was something about that that I just loved. And then the other one is a book um, by Barbara Brown Taylor called Leaving Church. That's a nonfiction book that's beautifully written. Good grief. It's beautifully Mm -hmm. written. That's her story of really weariness in ministry. And um, it just, it, again, it was just really good medicine. Sometimes it's just comforting to read somebody else's story of struggle and just, even if, even if you're not currently struggling, even if. You're struggling, but the circumstances are different. But just to see, not even how somebody moved through it, but just that they moved through it. They moved through it. Yeah. 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 And, and that's what that book was for me. I was like, she, okay, Mm. she moved through it. So, um, just beautiful, beautiful writing. And, um, I, I don't know. I'm, I just wish I had more time to read more stuff, honestly. Mm-hmm. that's mm-hmm. the big challenge at this mm-hmm. stage in life is having the the time. Um, but anyway, yeah. I do, I, 
And I get distracted by so many other mm-hmm. things. I mean, I think there's just so much other, because I've really thought about that. Like, it's funny because, I mean, I get distracted by Netflix. I get distracted by Instagram stories. I just, there's so many other things to grab my attention. And I'm I'm not good about making myself focus. Unless there's a book like, because like this week I've started, and by the time you read this, I'm sure I've finished, but I've started the Air, the Air Affair, which is the sequel to The Royal We. And I've been reading it because I've been really excited about it coming out. But like just to dive into something that I'm not sure, it's it takes me a while now to want to do that. So yay for books. Yeah, books are Books are amazing. Um, so what are what are you reading right now, by the way? We can end with that. We can end with our current um, reads. You said The Air Affair. Um, anything else? The Air Affair. No, that's all I'm reading right now. The Air Affair, um, which is the sequel to The Royal We. I really like it so far. So it's 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 funny and written as well as the first one. Um, and then I think what I'm going to read next, I think I'm going to actually bring it on my trip, Is and I've had it for a while, but um, it's The Dutch House. Oh, um, the Ann Patchett book. The Ann Patchett book. And I've heard really good things about that. And my mother-in-law actually brought that over to me a couple of months ago to read. And I just haven't. So I think I'm going to bring that one with me to Birmingham. Okay. All right. Well, um, I'm reading right now. Well, of course, I finished my Jessica Simpson open book. Yeah. um, Which, listen. We're going to talk about on Patreon. uh, We are going to talk about that on Patreon. Um, Uh um, I am reading right now um, Latasha Morrison's Be the Bridge, which I had not read before. And um, also reading um, a book by Isabel Wilkerson called The Warmth of Other Suns, which is about the Great Migration. And I've heard of it a lot, but but the the first story in the book is about a woman from Oklahoma, Mississippi. And I think because it was, which is near Startville, and I think because it was Mississippi, Beth texted me to see if I had read it, if I had read the Uh book. And, you know, the... There, there are a few people in your life where they say, have you read this book? You'll go, yeah. um, no, but I will. But I'm going but I'm to. Going to. Yeah. And so I immediately downloaded it. So I've got those two going. And then I have the Air Affair on deck, but um, I haven't started it yet. So okay, that's what I'm saving for when you're here. That's what I'm going to read at night okay. when you're here. Oh, good. Then we can discuss we can it. Discuss. We can discuss mm-hmm. it. Okay. Perfect. Okay. All right. Well, this was fun. It was. I loved it. So good mm-hmm. talk. Good talk. Good talk. All right. We'll talk to y'all later. All right. Bye, everybody. Bye.